millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Story time. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I was a government worker sent by the U.S. administration to Yosemite National Park to conduct some classified experiments for the Secret Service. My job was to gather data on the park's wildlife and ecosystem, but little did I know that my mission would turn into a living nightmare. While out in the deep woods, I encountered an unknown predator unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was massive, with razor-sharp claws and teeth, and moved with an unnatural speed and agility. Its eyes glowed with a fierce intensity, and I knew in my gut that it was not a natural creature. As I tried to flee, the creature attacked me with a ferocity that was beyond comprehension. I fought back with all my might, but it was no use. 
I was no match for this beast. Just as I thought my life was about to end, a group of scientists appeared out of nowhere and saved me from the creature's clutches. They explained to me that they had been conducting their own secret experiments in the park, and had created the unknown predator as a weapon for the US government. I was horrified. This creature was the result of classified experiments that had gone too far, and it was now loose in the park, putting innocent lives in danger. I knew I had to act fast to put an end to the madness. I teamed up with a group of like-minded individuals, and together, we embarked on a dangerous mission to stop the scientists and put an end to the experiments once and for all. The ensuing conflict was intense, and we were up against some of the most brilliant minds in the world. But we persevered, and eventually, we were able to destroy the unknown predator and leak the truth about the experiments to the public. The fallout was immense, and the US government was forced to take responsibility for their actions. The park was closed for months, and investigations were launched into the secret experiments that had taken place. Although I was hailed as a hero for my role in stopping the madness, I couldn't help but feel a sense of dread at the thought of what other classified experiments might be taking place behind closed doors. I vowed to stay vigilant, and to fight for the truth, no matter the cost. Despite the victory, the experience had left me scarred for life. The memory of the unknown predator and the horrors that I had witnessed in Yosemite National Park haunted me, and I struggled to sleep at night. To make matters worse, I soon discovered that the scientists who had created the predator had managed to escape justice and were still at large. They had gone into hiding, and no one knew where they were or what they were planning next. The possibility of another unknown predator being created and unleashed on the world was too much to bear, and I knew that I had to do something about it. I used my connections within the government to launch a full-scale investigation, and we were eventually able to track down the scientists and bring them to justice. But even with the scientists behind bars, I knew that the threat of more classified experiments still loomed. The government's insatiable desire for power and control had led them down a dangerous path, and it was up to me and those like me to keep them in check. From that day forward, I dedicated my life to exposing government secrets and fighting for transparency and accountability. It was a thankless job, and one that put me in constant danger, but it was the only way to ensure that the horrors of Yosemite National Park would never be repeated. And as I looked out at the majestic beauty of the park, I knew that I would never forget the lessons that I had learned there. The wilderness was a place of both beauty and terror, and it was up to us to protect it, no matter the cost. I recently found your YouTube channel, Horror Den of Misfits, and was curious about the Glimmerman incidents that you have narrated about. I had a similar encounter several years ago. I curious as to what you think. The date was Thursday, September 8, 2016. I was on a trip from Northwest Pennsylvania to visit a friend in North Carolina. I had been driving for about five and a half hours when I left Route 64 and drove onto Airport Road and came down to a little town called Beaver, West Virginia. I stopped at the KFC to grab something to eat. When leaving, I made a right out of the parking lot onto Route 19. I was driving slowly as I hadn't picked up speed from pulling out yet. Because I was driving slowly, I'm sure I never would have noticed this. 
I was approaching some leaves spread across the road when I noticed the leaves were moving but there was no wind blowing. I slowed down thinking there may be an animal in the leaves and I didn't want to hit it. I was looking really hard because I could see the leaves moving but I didn't see an animal. Then I could make out a small bipedal figure about 7 or 8 inches tall that seemed to be trying to hide in the leaves. As it tried to get across the road it looked as if I could see a line of each part of the creature but it seemed to be cloaked, kind of like what a chameleon does but not quite the same. It moved with a ratchet type movement, rather jerky. I don't know if that was its normal gait or if it was injured. I was driving at a crawl by this time because what I was observing was so bizarre and I was trying to make out what it was I was thinking what in the world is this thing. It almost looked like a frail stick figure as I could only make out some of it. I thought maybe it was an emaciated squirrel but they don't walk on two feet and if it was that skinny it would be dead, not jerking across the road. It was not a featherless bird either. It had reached the center line and was attempting to cross the rest of the road when a pickup from the other side came speeding along and just missed it with its driver side tires and I saw the leaves being thrown. I don't know if it made it or not as cars behind me were honking at me to keep moving. I thought about turning around to see if I could find it because that is what I would do for an animal, but this was not an animal that I had ever heard about or had seen before. The more I thought about it I realized that it may have been cloaked and was picking up the color of the leaves to disguise itself. It reminded me of the cloaked alien in the movie Predator. I could see it but I couldn't make out exactly what it was. As I tried to rationalize this in my head I thought maybe it was a reptile or a lizard of some kind, like a chameleon that can turn different colors to hide. An octopus can do the same thing and maybe we have just never seen them know that they are there. When I arrived at my friend's house that night I told her about it. She never doubted me as I'm not prone to making up stories. I'm a very rational person. But I still wonder what that thing was and if these predator-like entities exist all around us. We were camping with a summer adventure program at Indian Crossing. When it started to get darker we decided to play a game similar to capture the flag. My friend and I left a few minutes early to go hide when we saw a large object slash creature that had red eyes in the glare of our flashlight. It was too tall to be a bear and too big to be a human, and the eyes weren't a deer's eyes cause they were for sure red. It wasn't moving really, but we didn't get to see it for very long because we got scared and ran back to camp. We told Jeff, our camp leader, what had just happened and he seemed to have believed us, unlike all the other kids. We were still scared but Jeff wanted to go exploring to see if we could find more evidence. We found broken trees and also fallen logs that were ripped open somehow. I don't know if Jeff was just trying to scare us or not, but he said there was a dead deer on the side of the road that was nearby the campground that didn't look like it got hit by a car. About a half of a year later my mom said she talked to this botanist that was at Blue Hole a place about two miles from the Bigfoot sighting, and she saw tracks that were really big and couldn't be human. She took pictures of the tracks but I haven't seen yet. My friend and I honestly think we saw Bigfoot, so we have been doing all this research. We are destined to find Bigfoot again and prove everyone wrong. I stayed after school one late December afternoon, 
2022, two months ago, in the Roanoke, Virginia area for a basketball game. After the game, I walked to the nearby church lot waiting for my dad. It was already dark. As I stood waiting I felt like someone or something was watching me. I turned around and saw the shadow of a man behind a bush. I instantly ran to the other side of the street. I caught my breath and slowly walked back to the other side of the church. I would be able to see my dad drive up. As I stood there, keeping an eye out for my dad and for other shadows, I saw two deer along the edge of the woods. I put some space between me and the deer. I watched the deer as they began to move around. I watched closely as one of the deer seemed to have a bad back leg or was injured. I began to walk in the direction of the deer in order to get a better look. When I came within 20 feet or so of the deer I stopped. I was literally frozen and terrified at the same time. I realized that these were not deer. They both had oddly shaped heads with patches of hair that seemed to be stitched onto their bodies. It actually looked like human skin was underneath the patches. Then both deer looked in my direction and slowly stood up on their back legs. They then started to run in my direction, chasing me back to the church lot. I was yelling and running at the same time, so loud that my dad heard me a block away. I ran towards my home neighborhood, but my dad happened to see me and caught up. As he stopped ahead of me, I jumped into the passenger seat, yelling go. Go. He asked me what the hell was I yelling and running for? I couldn't answer him. I was absolutely freaked out. The 10 minute drive home was surreal as I was thinking about what I had experienced and what I was going to tell my dad. When we got home, and after I calmed down a bit, my mom and dad sat at the dining room table with me and listened to my description of the encounter. They actually listened. They knew by my demeanor that something had really occurred. Later that night, while I was in my room watching television, my dad came into my room and wanted to talk. He told me about an encounter that he had several years previously with a deer while he and my uncle were hunting in the nearby mountains. His description was very much like mine. He had told my mom about it at the time, so now I know why they didn't question my sanity when we talked. Can you tell me what I encountered that day? I see references to Wendigos and not deer when I started to research on Google. Is that what I witnessed? Is that what my dad witnessed? At the time of this incident I was a contracted delivery driver for an auto parts distributor. I traveled this section of Interstate 5 Monday through Friday towing a 16 enclosed trailer with my 3 fourth ton Dodge 4 wheel drive truck. As was typical for a weeknight at 1 o'clock in the morning there was nearly no other traffic on the road with me. With my cruise control set at 73 miles per hour my headlights lit up something laying centered in the right hand lane directly in front of me. I knew there was going to be contact but rather than swerve and risk lossing control I chose to line up and attempt to strike the object with the undercarriage of my truck. I don't remember touching the brakes or making any admep to slow down. In the seconds leading up to impact all I could do was brace myself and wonder what it was that I was about to splatter down the highway. Driving as many miles as I did I had, or thought I had, seen every form of indigenous wildlife Oregon has to offer. 
either alive and scampering or squished beside the road I didn't need to see more than a glimpse of fur to identify a critter, even at night. As I closed on this object I couldn't identify it. It had the coloration of deer, but it was much bigger. It wasn't an elk as I didn't see any legs or the characteristic outline of the hip, shoulders and tapered neck had it been laying the other way. This was fast turning from an object to a body. A large, hairy body laying in the fetal position with its back facing me. As weird as this was it was about to get even more interesting. Confused with what I was seeing and braced for what was going to be a bumpy ride something flashed directly in front of my bumper from left to right. As close as this thing was to my truck all I could see was the flash of brownish gray hair as it crossed in front of me. It was like sitting, parked in a car, at night and someone walks from one side of the car to the other. All you see is the strobe effect as they pass in front of the headlights. But I was moving at 70 miles per hour. I'm 5 feet 10 tall and if I stood next to the headlights on my truck my shoulders are at the height of the headlights. What I saw was more the rib section of the creature that crossed in front of me. Whatever this was it was big enough, strong enough, fast enough and felt the need to pull a 600 pound creature out of the way of my truck because not only did I miss what ran in front of me, I didn't hit anything. This occurred in April 2018 when I was living in Escondido, California. One night, around 3.30 am I experienced sleep paralysis. I could not move, I was frozen. It started to get quiet and I live next to a freeway. The windows are always open so it's loud. I am curious about how they always find me. The last house was a nightmare. It's been very quiet here for about one year. There is a sound that is hard to explain. My ears popped. There is a small sonic boom and crackle with it, followed by, well I guess the only way to put it is hearing a ringing of deafening proportion. They must have been around all day. You know when they are there because they glimmer. They sparkle. Like a flash of light. I was seeing them all that morning walking around the property. You can call me crazy all you want. But when you have been dealing with this like I have since I was a child you start to recognize certain glitches, so to speak. Static in the air, but it is just so draining. I can't move. Everything is going dark. It's as if you dim the night more if that is even possible to imagine. I can feel myself slipping away. The feeling is like someone drugged you with a huge sleep sedative. Full force sleep paralysis. They use this tactic all the time. Most can't handle it so they give in or get stuck in the in-between stage as I like to call it, where you are completely frozen but still aware of your surroundings. The buzzing is starting to fade but the feeling this time is so strong, almost angry. It's building, the rage. Fight or flight is kicking in. An overwhelming sense of awareness is hovering over me. Short sparkles followed by a huge shadow start to appear. I can finally start to see but get dizzy. My eyes are starting to focus on what it is that I was seeing. Then, there it was. As I looked up out of bed. It was a tall, red slender toned body. Very fleshy looking. Reptilian around the head but also had a very normal depiction of what a grey alien would look like. Humanoid body. Five fingers, but they were very long followed by the last two being shorter. 8 feet tall easy, 
Black eyes. The strangest thing is I wasn't scared, but more worried about the look on its face when it realized I could see it. It stood there forever is what it felt like. Then it raised its hand and pointed it at me. I started to feel so weak and tired. It walked over to me and with every step it made I fell back slower and lower on the bed until it was directly on top of me. Its hand still outward stretched at my head. I was now looking straight up at it. Red face, with giant black eyes staring me down. The jawline and cheeks were so defined. Very humanoid. But the brow line is what got me. Everything is very emotionless with it. But the facial expression it made was very aware of me noticing it. I don't think it expected that I was going to see it. It did something to me. Whatever it does when they first appear is how it felt at that moment. This thing fought to put me down. You could see it on its face. The strange part there was no fear of it. More like a comfortable friend, you could always count on being there for you in any situation. Just very calm. Trust me, I know it sounds ridiculous, but for the first time in a long time, my eyes are wide open. And what's with the number 33? It always has to do with 33. They always come or give signs at 33 on the clock. No matter the time of night, they usually come at 3.30 or 1.33 in the morning. I met up with my friend at his house after work at about 10 p.m. We both got off work at the same time, and go to his house to hang out. We were outside on his porch near the driveway. We heard the horses across the street in the field running around, which was odd, but didn't think nothing of it. We heard a turkey squabble, which then we thought a mountain lion was out there. Shortly after that, we heard a loud, and repetitive sniffing noise. Loud like a large dog sniffing in your ear. After a few seconds of wondering, we went to the edge of the road, I made a coughing noise to get a reaction from whatever it was out there. Just as I did that, we heard a very loud, and aggressive grunt. We went inside to grab a rifle and a flashlight. We for sure thought it was a bear, or mountain lion, and we knew it was close. We went back to the edge of the road, the road separates his driveway from the field where the noise was coming from. He shined his flashlight in the direction of the noises his fanning type pattern. His first pass reveals nothing, but on his second pass, we freaked. There wasn't much light except the motion detector, and our flashlight. With that, we saw the figures of two creatures in crouched posture, just in front of the fence in the field. They were literally 15 feet or so in front of us. Their eyes were staring right back at us, and they were close together on their faces, not like a horse. Just then one of them stood up on two legs. At this point I had moved to the side a little because I did not want my friend in my line of fire, just in case. I had a diagonal view of the creatures now. I can tell you that this thing stood about 7 to 8 feet tall, because the fence at 5 feet tall, and this creature rested its forearms on top of the fence without effort. I mean it could have scaled the fence easily. The other creature remained crouched. I could see their circle-shaped heads. They had a shadow, because the light, so their shapes were pretty clear, and we were so close the measurements of Thier shadows were not too far off from actual. The one that stood was incredibly big. He was boasting his chest out, maybe to intimidate us, 
or for defense. We all just stood there for a minute looking at one another. I was asking my friend what he thought it was and he did not know. My friend is a avid hunter of all game, and has never encountered anything like it. We then realized that is weird, and also realized how close we were to these creatures. We could see that the one crouched was smaller than the one standing, so the creature might have gotten defensive, and backed up. We were scared, but did not feel threatened. However, the creature could have easily scaled the fence and got us if it wanted. I mean, it was probably watching us long before we saw it. Our fear finally sunk in, and we went inside to look out the windows. We did not see anything else, but the dogs in his backyard started barking about a minute or two after we came inside. Dogs that live in the area always bark due to other animals that wander down the mountain, which is a clear shot from the field where this creature was. I have not been to his house at night ever since, and he has recently moved from the residence anyhow. At the time, I was a college student, and have since did service in the military, and I am single father. I have no need to make this up. I'm not sure what I saw was a Bigfoot, but I know it wasn't a horse, mountain lion, or bear. Bears do not live in this part of the area. They live in the region, but not here. This part of the valley is too dry, and Thier food source is not here either. I researched the bear population and the likelihood of a bear entering this area. It is not common. What I saw stood like a large man, moved like a man, and looked like a man, but was not. This is the first time I have formally reported this. My buddy came down to archery hunt deer with me one year. I took him to a spot where it had a few decent bucks on camera in a big bowl with a pine thicket right smack in the middle. We set up on the downwind side of the thicket in the same tree. We didn't see much that evening, it got dark and we decided to call it quits and climb down. I got down first and started packing up my climber and he had just hit the ground when I heard leaves crunching a little ways off and I said, shh, listen and the crunching got closer. And closer. And then it was close enough that we could hear it breathing. Hard. My first thought was bear and I started scrambling for my flashlight. I got it out of my pocket and by this time whatever monstrous creature we heard was about 20 feet from us. I got my light flicked on just in time to see my cocker spaniel barreling towards me. I started laughing and turned around to look at my buddy. And he wasn't there. I shined around, nothing. I shined up in the tree we just came out of and there was my buddy, clinging onto that old oak for dear life about 10 feet up. So yeah, that's the story of my 35-pound cocker spaniel treeing my 240-pound best friend. Several years ago I was guiding here in Idaho and I had two older clients from the East Coast who had been best friends since kindergarten. They were both kinda scared of the woods but 20-year-old me was not scared of anything. Well I dropped one off at a stand on the evening and I took the other guy to a different spot. When it got dark myself and the guy I was with went back to pick up the other guy he was laying on the ground about 100 yards from the stand. I was like hey, wake up, it's cold out and we should be going. He just laid there so I walked up and kicked his leg and I realized his eyes were open. 
My heart started pounding super fast and I leaned down and checked his pulse. No pulse, he's dead as a doorknob. I just turned to the other guy and I was like well, do you want to stay here or go with me to the truck so we can call my boss on the CB? He wanted to stay with his friend. It was pitch black and this guy was already easily nervous, so I'm surprised he wanted to stay there. Anyway, this spot is near a trail that people hike on occasionally, and ever since it seems like weird stuff happens there, I know several people that have seen and heard weird things within a mile of the spot this guy died. I just avoid it anymore. I always thought it was weird that he was away from the stand too, when I explicitly told him to stay in it till I came and got him. Not sure why he left it. Always listen to your guide. They have a reason for what they tell you to do. So here's another story that's quite a bit different than that one. Last year I'm backpacking in the cabinets with my wife and my two younger sisters. We set up camp way up on a ridge about 5 miles into the wilderness boundary. At around midnight I woke up because I heard some growling. It wasn't windy or anything. The growling was maybe a few yards from my tent, and I can hear some twigs snap. I'm getting nervous about this time, so I grab my Glock in one hand and my bear spray in the other, and creep out the front of my tent in naught but my undies. There's a bright moon, but I couldn't see any critters. I got back in my tent. A few minutes later, I hear some more growling, but whatever it is is just walking around the tent, because now it's in a different spot. It kept happening for hours as I laid there clutching my gun. In the morning my sisters said that they didn't sleep much, because they kept hearing growling and snarling. Apparently something even brushed against their tent. I'm guessing it was a grizzly, because I've been around black bears plenty and this sounded deeper and whatever it was wasn't scared of us. It probably just didn't like us being too near its den. I guess the takeaway from that experience is always have a gun and bear spray in grizzly country. My buddy is not a hunter but spent a lot of time in the Los Padres forest looking for rock art sites. Which is probably equal to, if not more difficult than hunting deer in these parts. He's about 10 years older than myself and first told me this story when I was barely out of high school. The story struck me as a young man and I never forgot it. One Friday, he and a buddy left from work into the local backcountry for the weekend. They were going to camp out of the truck that evening and in the morning head out in search of another cave painting that had been eluding him. Before sunset they pulled into a primitive campground. There was a group of four young dudes already at the campground. So my friends drove by, giving a nod of acknowledgement. There's only a handful of campsites, so they picked the furthest from the other group maybe 100 yards away. While setting up camp and getting a fire going they can hear the other dudes shooting a brake barrel pellet rifle and laughing slash goofing off pretty obnoxiously. No one else shows up to the campground that night. After dark my buddies were sitting silently around the fire and smoking a little reefer. Pretty late into the night they were still up with the fire and could hear the other group, then suddenly the other group gets real quiet in the midst of their late night a scrab session. The two of them don't say a word to each other but listen intently. After a short while they can hear something sneaking through the brush between the campsites. My friend had no protection on himself besides a surefire light. 
The other friend only had a large stick that he'd been using to manage the fire. Without a word they slowly backed away from the light of the flame, with a little dispersion between themselves, and waited for what was coming. After a few minutes they can tell it's someone trying to be sneaky. Finally the source of the sound slowly breaks into the light of the fire. A young man carrying a pellet rifle at the ready and following behind him, his three buddies. They all appear very tense and not at all jovial like they'd been at their own site. As they come forward into my friend's campsite he waits till they're adjacent to his companion holding the big stick in the shadows, then he blasts them with the surefire, holding the light directly on their faces. Everyone freezes, not a peep from anyone. The intruders are totally blinded by the light, but my friend can see his buddy beside them with the stick raised over his shoulder like he's about to hit a grand slam. They stand off in silence for what probably felt like an eternity, until one of the guys in the back of the line chokes out hey we don't want any problem no response and the light stays fixed on them. We smelt your smoke and thought you might share some. Still nothing but a light to look at. Finally from the same dude. Okay we'll leave then. And the three in the rear start to back out, but the good old point man stands firm, looking tough. One of his compadres says come on homie let's bounce, it's not worth it. After a few more seconds he relents and they all slink back into the dark. Needless to say, after the gang retreated, my friends immediately packed their shit and left the area. While I realize being unarmed and smoking reefer when you're in the backcountry may not be the wisest choice. I still think they handled the situation pretty nicely and used what they had to their maximum advantage, despite being outgunned in every way. My friend thinks those boys thought he might be asleep since him and his friend hadn't made any noise in hours. Regardless those four dudes did not have good intentions. I was hunting our family farm in Wyoming. I stayed in the stand until last light and was walking back to the house. Neither mom or dad were home that night. I walk up the driveway and put my bow in the truck and start unbuckling my safety harness when I hear something strange up in the pasture behind the barn. I finish taking my harness off and Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. And walk up behind the barn and I hear the sound again. It almost sounded like one of the neighbor's young cows got stuck in the fence. I didn't think anything of it and I still had my El Cheapo Walmart headlamp on so I start walking up the hill to go see what was going on. I got about three-fourth of the way up and I heard one of the most deepest coyotes howls of my life let out followed by the rest of a pack. I'd say three to four total. I swear every hair on my body stood on end and that shock of adrenaline ripped through me and my butt headed back to the house to get a gun and a better light. I went back up there but never against my better judgment but didn't find anything. If I had to guess though, I'd say those coyotes had one of the younger cows cornered and they dispersed when they saw slash heard a guy in camouflage beating feet at Usain Bolt speed down the hill to the house. I've heard that coyote with the deep howl a few times since then. Even had him howl back at me once. Never could get eyes on him though in person. My mom lives in rural Virginia next to the Washington Jefferson National Forest. There are a lot of really beautiful places there the Appalachian Trail is in that area. I would often leave the trails and hike and climb down into ravines. Many times I found waterfalls and swimming holes that looked untouched by humans. One time I was following a beautiful stream with steep rocky terrain on both sides. Super isolated and miles from where I started. As I came to an open area where the water was calmer I noticed a terrible smell. I don't know how to describe the water, it was where the stream had widened and was kind of like a lagoon. In the middle of the water was a large stone. On that stone was what I can only describe as a pile of guts. When I say a pile I mean something roughly the size of a large buck or maybe a large bear but just heaped into a big pile on the stone. I could not discern the type of animal it was but it was big and was arranged in a very spooky way. I looked around the area and could see a few caves and deep crevices and just got really scared. I know hunting is popular in that area but this was a national park. There was no fur on the animal just looked like it was turned inside out and arranged on top of this stone plus the location of the stone. Directly in middle of the water. Needless to say I backed out of there and instead of walking back the way I came I climbed up the rocks and out of the ravine. No idea what the hell that was all about. I had to take a jaunt in the woods to check out a foreclosed home. I was working for a psychologist at the time, who was deciding to look at real estate and she and her husband were hoping to find a fixer-upper. There happened to be an abandoned foreclosed estate about a mile from her office, tucked back in the woods with a long driveway. I was the office admin slash errand boy at the time, so I was assigned to take time and go see what I thought of the building. I also had a bit of an adventurous streak, and thought it would be fun to comb through an old building and property, 
So long as it was safe. I drove my little sedan down the driveway to park in the front yard of this abandoned mansion. Pretty run down at this point. Most of the windows looked whether open or broken, and my first thought was that squatters had been here, or were here currently. I walked around the house to the side yard and found the outside was decorated in old Halloween decor, about 50 plastic tombstones, lawn skeletons, etc. Interesting, I thought. Leftovers from Halloween before the place was abandoned? Teenagers having fun playing pranks? A scare tactic? Needless to say, it had my senses heightened. With the condition of the building, the possibility of squatters, and the weird Halloween decorations, I decided it wasn't worth it to enter. I walked back around the house to go to car. I get in the driver's side, and text my boss I'm on my way back, and that it really wasn't worth it. I start the car and get ready to leave when suddenly. The creepiest looking woman with really worn slash shredded clothes is walking at a fast pace directly at my car and I only saw her in the rearview mirror as I went to back up. My heart leapt into my throat. She kept going straight for the car, but as she approached, she was motioning to roll down my window. I didn't really feel comfortable with that, but at this point, she was directly in my path if I were to reverse. I locked the doors to the car, and cracked the window down just enough I could hear what she was yelling. What do you want? She kept repeating it over and over. I yelled back through my cracked window, the house is for sale, and I was just checking it out, sorry. She was clearly on drugs, and looked manic, walking and talking with a twitchy demeanor. She finally gets right outside of my cracked window and tells me the house is occupied. She leaves the side of the car and walks up to the front porch of the house. Out of a backpack, she pulls a bag of cat food, like one of those 20 pounds plus bags, tears the top off, and shakes the pellets of cat food all over the front porch. No joke, dozens of cats start pouring out of the house from every window, from under the porch, from loose boards in the siding. It was like an anthill got stirred up and all the ants came out to attack whatever disturbed it. The woman just stared me down as I backed down the drive, with still more cats coming out of the house. You would think this thing happens in remote rural areas of the world, but the strange thing was that this took place in a decent middle-class suburb in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The house was only separated by about two to three acres of woods from a main highway. I work with dogs and we have had our strange encounters on the daily walks at the dog daycare before. Basically what happened that we usually walk past a trail mainly used by city hikers in the area. It is around 5 kilometers long, the part of it that we walk, call it the blue trail as it is marked with blue signs, usually during hot days we walk there with the majority of dogs that can walk long walks together. We follow a lead into the woods where there are a lot of shadows so the dogs can get the right amount of exercise as well as shade from the blistering heat. The blue lead is the best one for us as it is the one the regular dogs are used to. I remember walking second behind my boss in the lead, behind me were some interns from schools learning about animal care and such. In the beginning of the walk we encounter a man with his two Yorkshire Terriers, he said hi basically and let us pass with our massive dogs and I remember he asked where we were from walking with all those dogs. 
His little dogs were barking a ton and I low-key wanted to move on so it wouldn't stress them out too much. Seemed to be a really sweet guy though honestly, around his early 40s. My boss explained we were from a dog daycare doing the big walk before lunch as we usually do. He waved us by and we kept walking. The rest of the walk was great, though I did get blisters on my feet from bad shoes. Around the time we got back to the start and were ready to head back we saw the same guy. He wasn't happy and the dogs weren't there anymore. At first I thought he had let them loose but he was holding the leash and his face was just distraught. He started pleaded for us to help him find them. He kept repeating he wouldn't be able to explain to his wife how he lost their dogs. It was a pretty big forest and he was panicking and we had over 20 really exhausted thirsty dogs on our own. He walked with us to the road right before the forest trail start and I cannot explain the panic on his face as one of the cars stood still in front of what I can only describe as one shaking dog and one half a fluffy mangled mess. Turns out they had been let off the leash because of a mistake he made thinking they would be able to run free in the woods and come back at his command. But at that point they weren't far off the beginning which was exactly met him the first time, he had stayed behind to let us pass. The dogs had begun chasing each other around the road, and country roads aren't usually known for having slow cars passing with regular speed. Before a car could properly stop one had frozen in place and gotten hit. The other had been the one getting chased as it had made it out. In case you are thinking of a sudden hit and stop that is not what I mean. I mean that there was a clear trail of blood and fur on the road smushed over, the other dog had ran to the sides as the other was hit. The owner of the car had walked out and was on the phone to try to get help because a they had hit a dog that was playing and clearly the owner had to have been somewhere. b there was another dog that was shaking and had been chased by the other one. I wish I could explain more but I think you get the idea of the anguish everywhere. I took a day off after that. I am extremely squeamish to things like this and this wasn't that long ago, it is still so fresh in my memory. Not really a hike story but it happened during a walk through the woods. The guy made a mistake and now has to live with this. The interns were allowed to quit early that day at the dog daycare. We haven't walked that trail in a while. I really hope that everyone involved can heal after this. Because I can never imagine how it would feel losing my dog like that. Lesson to be learned is that if you aren't certain your dog can go without a leash please do not let them loose especially not near a road. Losing your best friend is not worth it to not have to hold a leash for a few minutes. Was hiking the Half Dome Trail in Yosemite and there was a group of hikers that were huddled together and everyone had stopped on the trail. We were going to walk past and they told us that someone had just died a little way up. We all waited around for another 15 minutes or so and everyone decided we had to keep going. Someone had slipped or fallen and hit their head on a rock. Not in a dangerous area but we had to walk by the body to the right of us with his family, wife, and kids crying to the left. It was really tough and changed the mood of the entire hike, felt so bad for his family. I'd say it was the time I learned how ruthless nature truly is. I was maybe 8 and my parents had decided we'd go out for a hike in the woods. Somewhere along the way I saw a bird's nest on the ground and approached it. 
I got about halfway to it when I saw a snake in the nest in the process of eating the last chick in the nest. I'd say it's an important lesson for kids to learn, that nature doesn't give a flying f I mean, but my experience was a bit extreme for an 8 year old to see. Early on as a hiker, I had been hiking on a trail in California with a fairly large group when I fell behind and got lost. An hour or so after I had lost the path, it had gotten dark and I could now barely see two feet in front of me even with a flashlight. Eventually I meet this singular guy on the trail, no gear, no group, not even a flashlight, just one guy walking in the dark in a baseball cap. He asks me if I'm lost and when I say yes he tells me he knows the way back to the main trail. I follow him while we make small talk and eventually when we get within 100 feet of the starting trail where I can see my group he just turns around and walks back into the pitch black forest without saying another word. My group tells me they've been waiting there for me for almost an hour and that they had started to get really worried. They said they were cutting the hike short and that everyone was going home. Apparently a guy had shot his wife in the head 5 miles from where we were and police were still searching for him because he had fled into the nearby forest. My brother is in the military and was doing a training operation in a forest the Canadian military has specifically for such activities. He had just finished a day mission and was being sent back in for a night mission. For the mission my brother and another soldier were supposed to navigate in the dark to specific locations and find glow sticks set up in the bush. They got dropped off and were making good time finding 3 out of 5 glow sticks without issue. The fourth glow stick is when they began to struggle. According to my brother him and his buddy were using night vision goggles which turn everything a green color and any light becomes very bright. My brother's buddy suddenly exclaims right there and my brother sees a glowing light seemingly suspended in mid-air. He quickly walks towards the light when it suddenly starts moving and becomes two lights. He falls backward and Crab walks away from the big-ass bear in front of him. They hadn't seen the glow stick but the reflection of the minimal light in the bear's eyes. The bear was standing at its full height as they approached. As they both scrambled backwards and fired blanks up into the air to scare it off it dropped down and stalked off into the bush. My brother and his buddy skipped the fourth glow stick and told their superiors about the bear encounter. They said they were lucky it wasn't a mother bear or it could have been ugly. His superiors told him after that the blanks they send them in with are basically useless because the animals in the area are so used to sounds of gunfire and explosions. I was hiking a local, but rarely used trail a couple winters back. The sun was setting so the woods were starting to get dark, but no worries as I only had a couple miles left to get back to my car. I came to a spot in the trail where it winds down a rather steep, 40 foot high ledge. I stopped for a minute to gather myself and pick my route down the ledge when I spotted someone down below, near a small stream crossing about 50 feet from the bottom of the ledge. I couldn't see the person very well in the gathering darkness, but I noticed he appeared to be dressed head to foot in all white clothing. Unusual but not all that weird I figured. I picked my way down the ledge, mostly facing I toward the rock as I went, 
So I didn't see the guy again until I was at the bottom. By that time I was close enough to see that he was not wearing all white clothing. He was in fact naked except for a pair of tidy whiteies and a fur hat with ear flaps deployed. As soon as I saw him, he appeared to duck down behind a low mound. The trail went right where he was, so I proceeded forward because, you know, no big deal, right? After taking a few steps in his direction, I realized he was actually sitting in the stream. In his underwear. In the rapidly darkening woods. In winter, there was snow on the ground. Two miles from the nearest trailhead slash road. He finally looks over at me and says, you're probably wondering what I'm doing, right? Yeah, I was wondering about that. You okay? Yep. I'm doing one of those polar bear challenges next week and thought I should get some practice in beforehand. Okay. He climbs out of the stream and starts walking over to me. I don't know if this guy is legit or just a crazy person, so I start moving up the trail, toward a junction a very short distance past the creek crossing. I stop there for a minute to read the trail sign and verify I'm going the right way and he catches up to me. He gets a little closer to me than I'd like, him being basically naked and all, so I casually take a step back, and he promptly takes a step forward, closing the gap once again. Are you heading toward, road name? He says. I was, but didn't want him to know where I'm going as he's starting to freak me out a little bit, standing there in his underwear, dripping wet. No. I tell him, I'm heading the other way, toward, other road. That's a long way. Yeah. I'm training for a long snow hike and trying to get some miles in. It's going to be dark soon, I could give you a ride to your car. No thanks, I was planning to be out late and have my headlamp with me. You sure? Yep. Thanks for the offer though. There's a long pause here, while we both study the trail sign, or pretend to, then he turns to me and says, you probably think I'm some kind of crazy person, don't you? Well. You were sitting naked in a stream in the middle of winter, I say jokingly. Yeah, I could see how that looks a bit odd. No worries, I've probably done some pretty odd things in my life. Yeah, like what? I didn't know what to say, as I wasn't sure I'd actually done anything that odd before, so I say, oh I don't know, I'm sure there's something. Anyway I need to get moving, you sure you're okay? Yeah, I'm good. Hey. Maybe I'll go that way, with you, and you could maybe give me a ride back to my car. Okay, so there's no way I'm doing that, I just want to get away from this guy, who I suddenly notice is either really well hung, or is getting about a half a chub. Dude, you're naked and wet, it's literally freezing out, and it's 5 miles to the other end of the trail. You should probably just get back to your car and get some dry clothes on and warm up. Yeah, you're probably right. With that, he turns and starts jogging up the trail. Since I actually needed to go that way, I considered following him, after giving him a healthy head start, but couldn't shake the thought of him ducking off the trail and waiting for me to come by. So I hiked the other direction to a point where I could loop back to my car on a different trail. I was glad to finally see my car, by now it was around 8pm, and jumped in and locked the door before changing into my street shoes. I looked around to see if there were any cars parked nearby, but didn't see any. However, as I left the parking lot, 
I did see an older Jeep Cherokee parked along the road. I couldn't tell if anyone was in it, but didn't waste any time getting back to some place less remote. When I was 7 or 8 and my brother 5 or 6 our mom went to visit an old college friend somewhere in the Texas Hill Country. The house was totally filled with stuff, full-blown hoarder. My brother and I see a dry creek bed. We take off to explore and look for fossils, rocks, you name it. I remember it vividly. It was close to sunset. I had just found a small conical shell fossil and was admiring and inspecting it when the most frightening noise pierced every cell in my body. Mountain lion scream. I immediately look at my brother, his face had the expression of terror as did mine. I said we have to get out of here now. I ended up dropping my fossil as we ran back to the house as fast as possible. I will never forget that sound. A place way out in West Texas my wife and I camp it is riddled with mountain lion sign. Footprints everywhere and scat. After exploring and hiking this area I realized it is literally the perfect spot for them plenty of food, water, shelter and it's extremely remote and difficult to access. The spring that flows up out of the rock holds supports many large cottonwood trees, tall grasses and all the other desert plant species for the length of the canyon. It's not a place I would go for a nighttime stroll. Cats could ambush you with ease anytime you are walking in one of the thousands of arroyos. On the coast where I live bioluminescence lights up the surf during the summer when conditions are right. And when they are right the fishing is usually stellar. One night when the surf was calm as it can be my buddy and I were shark fishing. I was kayaking out a bait about 400-500 yards. Every paddle stroke was lighting up bright green, that night was one of the brightest bioluminescence shows I've seen. As I'm paddling and looking at the biolight show I'm creating I see something else lighting up the surface as well and heading straight towards me. In the bright moonlight I can see a dorsal fin cutting through the water. Oh Fouquet. No, no, no this isn't happening. I'm a sitting duck, only a small knife and paddle to defend myself. I start paddling as fast as I can in hopes I can beat it to shore, impossible. As it gets nearer and nearer to the point that I'm about to have to wrestle a shark. I hear a blast of air, the exhale slash inhale of a dolphin. It turns a few feet away from me and heads off. I still paddled my ass back to shore in a hurry. We ended up catching some nice sharks that night. I've seen lights in the night sky on two different occasions that none of us that saw them can determine slash reason what they were. Pretty bizarre. Both instances the lights looked close as in well within the lower atmosphere. Me, my fiancé, his sister, and her boyfriend had hiked up maybe two to three miles to a spot where we could chill and camp for the night. After we had had a few, many, drinks and had a good time, we fell asleep in our two separate tents. I slept like a baby through the night next to my fiancé, who also slept like a rock. Once we woke up, we cleaned up and gathered everything. We headed back down the trail and got in the car to grab some breakfast. We stop in a McDonald's attached to a gas station slash convenience store and sat down, hung over as hell and tired. My fiancé's sister's boyfriend, that's a mouthful, 
was having a sip of his coffee and turned to me. Dude, you were up late as hell last night. You good? I just looked at him and didn't know what he meant. I had fallen asleep at the same time as everyone else. He claimed he saw me in between the tents when he got up to take a piss around 2 in the morning. His smile immediately faded when I told him that. I felt a massive chill go through my body. I wasn't sure who, or what he'd seen but it wasn't me and I know that much. I was out for a day hike in the Hudson Valley in New York. My friend and I are probably about 3 miles into the woods on a section of the trail surrounded by absolutely nothing but shitloads of trees. No breaks in them or anything really, and it was a relatively flat section after just coming down from the summit. Off in distance not too far from the trail there was a perfectly inflated red balloon tied the trunk of a tree. We hadn't seen a single other person on the trail all day, and the forest was eerily quiet too. It looked like the area hadn't been disturbed at all. No signs of footprints or other people being on that section of trail. It just gave me the creeps. Even now when I hike that same trail, I get goosebumps and an eerie feeling when I go through that section. To my knowledge, it's not haunted and nothing happened there either. So yeah, just a random perfectly inflated red balloon tied to a tree. Me and my friends were hiking in Hoosier National Forest which is a massive forest around Bloomington, Indiana. This are is full of hillbillies and rednecks so when we looked at the map and saw houses we knew what we were in for. The first encounter we had was a man with a swisher sweet in his mouth walking down one of the foothills with close to eight dead possums. Not even in traps they were just on his back. The second encounter we had was with these people walking around with a confederate flag. As we walked up the foothill we heard these guys talking about how they didn't like all the tourists because they were bringing too many Mexicans. The entire time as we walked past they were waving the flag and chanting random shit the entire time. The last thing we saw was close to the end when near the lake we saw these people near a den or something on the shore of the water waving around a dead raccoon with blood dripping from it. I still don't know what they were doing. That hike leaves me with so many questions. Started the trail much later than anticipated at around 10 am. Decent cloud cover 80 degrees in the parking lot to start with lots of people on the trail. Only a few markers in, less and less people, and even fewer clouds. It's getting spicy out. Not even half a mile in, nobody is near us everyone has bailed. Get to the top of a tall dune and confirm there is nobody around. A little further in and we're at the halfway point, significant other is extremely quiet and raspberry red. I brought two gallons of water for both of us and she had hers. Both of us with long, thin and loose clothing, wide-brimmed hats. Despite our preparedness we decide to turn around. Shortly into our return we run into a human-sized Slim Jim. I mean this dude is crispy. Baseball cap, cargo shorts and a short sleeve polo shirt. No pack, no observable water bottle. He is approaching from the bottom of a dune, when the next marker is on top of the dune in front of us. Clearly he has lost the trail, and just looking at him I am instantly worried. 
Use some small talk to get an idea of how long he's been out, how much water he has consumed. Find out he attempted the hike with his wife two years prior and they weren't able to finish it, and that she recently passed from cancer and he was going to finish the trail today in her honor. I ask about water and he has barely touched the 16-ounce water bottle in his pocket. During the small talk he asked where the next marker is three times it is in front of us at the next dune every time. I ask him to come back with us, he is determined to finish for his wife, he wouldn't be convinced. We watch him walk off incorrectly along the bottom of the dunes for a few minutes then, thankfully, joined us on the return. 99% sure he was gonna be toast if he kept going on his own. Eight of us on a rafting trip on the Colorado River. After camping out near the river, we were finishing breakfast and getting ready to continue downstream. A family with small kids docks their boat alongside ours and comes to talk to us. They have a passenger in distress and tell us they are leaving him with us because they are uncomfortable having this dude in their boat with their kids. Apparently, this guy had taken a cheap Walmart inner tube into the Colorado River by himself. The inner tube hit a rock and popped. Dude had been alone in the wilderness for days with no shirt, shoes, sunscreen, it was 90 plus degrees in high altitude, water, or food before being picked up by the family. This guy was done, horribly severe sunburns and dehydration. He was also certifiably insane and rambling constantly about batshit crazy stuff. It could not have just been his physical condition, dude was insane and, even in his diminished state, managed to be extremely creepy and pervy with the girls in our group. Luckily we had a satellite phone and got a hold of the nearest sheriff's department who was sending a rescue boat. We did not feel safe having this guy hitch a ride downstream so we gave him lots of food, water, sunscreen, a shirt, and some shoes. We told him to stay put and we continued on our trip. I was hiking in Cape Scott Provincial Park, British Columbia, Canada, on a trail that doesn't get much traffic. The trail was an out and back to a beautiful beach. There were many different terrains we crossed, beaches, a small mountain, meadows, swamps, and rivers. The rivers we had to ford at low tide going in. On the way out we missed low tide by about an hour and the rivers were way higher than we had wanted but we crossed the first one without too much issue. We then crossed through some forest, maybe about 200 yards, quite possibly much less, and made it to the second river. We looked across for our trail marker and couldn't find it. We had somehow missed the trail and made our own, though it was obvious we weren't the only ones who had been that way. We trekked back to the first river to start the trail again, but we came out at the same place and still couldn't find the trail marker. I think we ended up trying to find this marker for two hours. I wasn't worried, we had plenty of gear and food still, and honestly I was ready to just hike down to the ocean and back up the other side of the river to comb for the trail marker. All of the sudden we heard voices coming from the direction that we thought the marker should be. We started shouting toward them but they didn't respond. We hiked toward the voices and immediately found the marker. We couldn't find whoever the voices belonged to, and as we hiked our way out we realized there had been no one else out there at all. Only our own footprints in the mud. 
1. 